It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now... Here's JT the Brick. Good to have you back, JT, here as we begin hour number two. A lot to get to. There's Golden Knights news as they're off to a great start. The Raiders news as they try to turn it around. Everything happening here in Vegas. Thanks for listening as we continue. I'm thrilled to talk to Shea Theodore again coming off the win last night in Los Angeles as we kick off our Vegas Golden Knight coverage. Shea, great win. Thanks for coming on today. Appreciate you. Shea, you got me? Yeah. Okay, great. Great win. Tell us about the energy, especially coming into the third period, what it was like to get into the locker room after the game and celebrate a win. Yeah, it was good. I think the first one of the season is always the toughest. And, um, you know, I thought we played a great game. We we controlled a lot of it, and it was good to get the win. Uh, the energy of the offseason here, a new head coach, uh, a lot of changes with the team. You're not typically playing in, in front of the goaltender you're used to and Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury before that. What was the offseason like for you personally training to get ready for the season? Yeah, it was good. It was definitely a long one. Um, you know, I think over the past couple seasons, we've had some real short off seasons. So, um, you know, I think it is a little bit of a blessing in disguise to be able to get some rest and be able to uh, put some work in, in the gym as well. Uh, that's interesting, Shea Theodore, because you've, you've gone on these big playoff runs, and it really does make a difference there. And it sounds like, Shea, you took advantage of it. You're one of the premier defensemen in the league. A lot of people look to you on this team for leadership and important for you to have a big off season and be ready to go right out of the gate like last night proved. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, ever since kind of COVID happened, I uh, haven't really been able to get home, you know, in the last two and a half, three years. So, even just spending a couple weeks back home, uh, you know, seeing some family and seeing some friends was good. And, you know, just kind of gearing up, um, you know, for, for this long season that we're going to have. Hey, one more follow-up with that. When you do some Canadian training, is it different? Is it more outdoors, uh, more cardio, uh, more interesting things than you would do with your trainers here in Las Vegas? How does that differ in the off-season? No, I mean, I, I kind of just went, I've got a physio guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I work with back home trying to keep my hips my hips healthy and in the body feeling right. So I was just able to see him, him a few times. And um, other than that, just kind of just staying in shape. Shea Theodore is our guest. So how do you see the landscape of the game changing with the active defensemen now that you have on this roster as you're helping them along and trying to build chemistry? Yeah, it's been good. I think we have a lot of great players, um, you know, especially on the back end, adding Nick Hag over the past couple of days has mm-hmm. been key. And, you know, I think he's going to be a big help and, um, you know, I just I, I like the makeup of our team. We have good, good size, good speed, and, and good grit as well. So, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting year. But uh, you know, I believe we have the right pieces. For you personally, you could score. You could score in bunches. You can get hot in games. Do you feel loose coming into this season in regards to your stats and what you've done in the past and playing at such a high level here? Are you looking to? You obviously want to get better every year, Shane. You do that. But some goals, some personal goals here, or is it all based on the team and getting this chemistry going? 
it's kind of all based on the team. Um, you know, I, as a D man, you know, I, I like to pitch in where I can. Yeah. But, um, you know, most importantly, you know, we're trying to trying to we we have a new D zone that we're working on, so it's trying to work work out some kinks with that. And um, you know, if I can pitch in offensively, you know, that's great. If I can help the power play, that's even better. It's nice with uh, Stone's goal and Eichel and Marcia to see some of the big names. You all, you all equal. You all great teammates there. But to see some of the big guns score last night on the road against the rival, get off to that good start by scoring a couple of quick goals, and the big names getting off to a good start. You never want to start a season in a slump or five or six games without a goal, and a couple of the big guns got going. No, for sure. And I think even even having uh, you know William Carlson get on the board early. Um, you know that that's big for his confidence. Yes. You know, I, I watched him put in put in a lot of work over the summer, and um, you know, I'm at, I'm expecting big things out of him this year. And you know, he looks great so far. Uh, we're wrapping it up with Chase Theodore. Tell us about the coach, Coach Cassidy, and what he brings. What's different with him, especially your communication with him in the off season and camp, and what you saw overall last night with his intensity coming into the start of the year. Yeah, he's been good. I think. You know, sometimes a change of voice is good for, for, for our group, especially. And, um, you know, everything we went through, you know, having a new guy come in and, you know, try and preach some, some of his systems and how he wants us to play and, you know, try to get the most out of us. So, um, you know, it's been good so far. And, you know, I, I like what we see. Uh, Shay, when I look at the Pacific here this year, we saw, obviously, last year, you got some good rivalries there, but in the Western Conference, in the Central, that's where the champs are, the Colorado Avalanche. The importance of you to win the division this year, because, again, those are the teams that are chasing you, including Edmonton. You played the Kings last night. The rivalry with the Sharks is real. Uh, The Kraken thing wants to get better this year, but I still look at what's there in the Central in the Western Conference and what it's going to take to take out Colorado again. Yeah, it's going to be big. Um, you know, I think if we can if we can play against our division, you know, well this year and try and get as many any as many points as we can, I think that's going to be key. Um, you know, coming down the stretch last year, you know, every point mattered, and um, you know, if you can try and you know pile them up as soon as you can early in the year, then that might be a little bit easier down the stretch. And um, you know, I think I, I like what we said of our group. I like our matchups against. Most of the teams in our, our division, and you know, going forward, I like our group. Shay, finally, let's talk about the fans and what these fans mean to you. You got the home opener tomorrow night. The place, it's the best sporting event in sports. Pre-game, we know that. We've talked about it. They win awards there, but for you guys to come out now and really reward the fans who have been loyal, it's still a young team. And I tell the fans all the time, as you know on the radio, you got to be patient. But you've been close already for a couple of years. And these fans, I think, need to understand that and come out and say, hey, it's not the same team we've had the last couple of years. Let's get behind this group. What are your expectations with this fan base? Absolutely. I mean, we have the best fans in the league for a reason. Um, you know, they're excited every night. They, they support us. Um, you know, whether it's seeing them in grocery stores or around the, around town, it's, it's been awesome. And, um, you know, we want to win for the city and we want to win for them. You've proven that. You're a hell of a player. Thanks for kicking off the season with us. I'll talk to you down the road, Shay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You got it. Shea Theodore, one of the best players in hockey. I think he is a brilliant defenseman. He could score. He's a leader. The strength of the big names on this squad on defense, very important to the success of this team, depending on what happens at the goaltender position. You know, I asked him, no Robin Leonard, no Marc-Andre Fleury. We've been down that road a thousand times on this show. Those guys aren't walking through the door. And with Logan Thompson and what they have to do going forward, The defense has got to be great. The defense has got to take away shots 
that a goalie who's trying to find his way might not see because they block, they jump, they, they are able to pick off passes and go the other way. And when Shea Theodore is going the other way and he has the opportunity to score on the rush or score from the point, he's a huge part of what this team needs to do. It's kind of interesting, Bobby. I'm looking at the standings so far. One game played, one win. And the only team they kicked off last night, I was on the radio last night watching Yankees, Dodgers, Padres, true story, I walk in and my wife is listening to hockey. And my wife, my wife loves this team. And I love this team. And uh, we're traveling Friday to go to Oklahoma, literally at the crack of dawn. And uh, I wanted to go tomorrow night. Hopefully we'll go there a bunch. Thanks to Nate for setting up the interview. And I want to go to a lot of games this year on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night. Get in there as a fan. Go there if I go there with a credential and cover the team. But I want this team to win for the city. The Aces did with the Raider flagship, and we are really behind VGK. Pass on the breakout, knocked down by Petrangelo. Stevenson in, with Stone, got it to him. He scores! Mark Stone! A huge fist pump. 24 seconds to go. Mark Stone, two fist pumps. He goes far down, and the Knights have their third lead of the day. That is great. Dan Duva on the call. On Stone with the goal. Love that, Bobby. I want to hear the final call here of this game, how important that is there, because Dan Duva, our buddy Gary Lawless, who comes on the show from time to time, everyone behind the scenes here, we really like what this team does as a broadcast. Television and radio, they have a really good, strong, deep bench. It's a really good broadcast team. As the Knights open up the season on the road, they're 1-0. Across the red line, into open ice right wing. Petrangelo shooting off the outside of the post, but the clock runs out the game is over vegas wins on opening day final score golden knights four kings three there's dan duva on the call vgk right here in the building here as we open up this hour so i want to open up the hour again with Devonte adams if you weren't here for the opening of the show uh we're waiting to see what the discipline will be with Devonte adams going forward for the incident there's a police report uh there were charges filed here for Devonte and what Devonte will need to do to stay on the field. So this is very important going forward. Ian Rappaport. Let's get to Ian Rappaport and what Ian Rappaport said earlier today. He's the authority on the NFL with breaking news as we wait around for this. Very important moment coming up here for Devontae. The Raiders need him on the field. Clearly he made a mistake in Kansas City. He atoned for it quickly with the apology on Twitter and in the locker room. Here's the update. Yeah, Devontae Adams is facing discipline from the NFL for his actions. We will see if it ends up being a fine, a, a normal uh, disciplinary action for several players, which happens, you know, many times a week, or if it's a suspension, which sounds like is possible, which happens rarely. And of course, Devonte Adams, you've seen the clip a million times from various angles. He's coming off the field after a tough, tough loss. Him and Hunter Renfro ran into each other after Renfro ran the wrong route. He's coming off the field. He's uh, He is in the visitor's exit. I believe the visitor's tunnel, a credentialed member of the media, walks into him, Devontae Adams, shoves this person to the ground, apologizes right after the game to reporters, apologizes later on Twitter. This credentialed member of the media, a freelance member, I believe, ended up filing a report with Kansas City Police. Uh, the Raiders and Josh McDaniels specifically have supported Devontae Adams as a person, uh, but we will see what ends up being the outcome of this. The Raiders are on the bye, so there's not a lot of urgency for the NFL to make this decision right now. Uh, but certainly we are watching 
and waiting to see what they will decide. So a lot of people are speculating, is it different? Raiders are on the bye? Yeah, that's Ian Rappaport. He says they don't have to make this decision. If they had a game this weekend, the decision probably comes down today. Or tomorrow, the latest uh, ESPN reporting that Devontae has been charged with misdemeanor assault for shoving that credential media worker. Adams was cited for an intentional overt act that inflicted, quote, bodily injury according to the court records released earlier today. The man shoved by Adams, identified by police as Ryan Zebley. He suffered whiplash, a headache, and a possible minor concussion from the incident, according to records. He was working for ESPN Monday Night Football as a freelance photographer. The charges were filed earlier today in municipal court in Kansas City. He is due in court November 10th. If convicted, Adams could face a jail term up to six months and a fine. What a bunch of garbage that is from ESPN, right? They got to throw that. No, they got to throw that in there with everything. And I, you watch the news every night and you hear the maximum that someone could get here uh, for an issue here. A misdemeanor. ESPN puts at ESPN.com he could face up to a term of six months in jail. No, that isn't clickbait, right? Uh, Devontae apologized after the game, saying that the shove was just frustration mixed, literally just running in front of me with the man who did it. The veteran player is facing discipline, according to Adam Schefter, and we know that. And if you're joining us late, we're talking about what, what should be that discipline. And Raider fans, don't call me and say nothing, please. Don't say nothing. Stop. There's going to be discipline here. What do you believe is fair? What do you believe is fair? Try to take your emotion out of it, which is hard to do on radio. I think they probably suspend him because the NFL overreacts. I hope they don't. I wouldn't suspend him. I would just give him a fine. If he gets suspended and loses a game check, that's a really big deal because a game check for Devontae is much bigger than most. So that's the update on that. 702-365-9200. Robert in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, Brick, I think uh, it's going to be interesting. If he does get charged, uh, and it stays a charge. Um, obviously, will will a players' association step in if he is suspended for a game and uh, appeal it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's first question. Second question: Did Renfro run the wrong route? Yeah. Yeah, I, I played Rappaport. I don't agree that he, you know, that's, I talked to Eric Allen. He touched on that, on the route there, that Devontae could have went on the outside with the press coverage that was on him. That's for the coach. I'll ask the coach that. Josh McDaniels, we're off this week for the bye week, so I don't have my weekly interview with the coach. But, look, I, I think that's been a really big problem, Robert, is the fact that Waller was in the back of the end zone with Devontae early on in the season at Los Angeles, and Hunter and him were running a route and collided. They got to get the spacing right. Look, my problem in that game was on fourth and one. I wouldn't have ran the ball on fourth and one. I would have ran it on third and one all day long to Josh Jacobs because he couldn't be stopped. He was stopped at the goal line, and maybe that affected Josh McDaniel's decision. But on fourth and one, dude, I'm not looking for a bomb to be converted. I'm looking for two yards. I mean, the risk-reward, and I know that's what they saw that Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, was going to go all-out blitz or that coverage. They were sending seven, whatever it was. They thought they had to play open downfield. And Eric Allen drew it up, and he said, if they ran the right route, Hunter Renfro would have been wide open, as in wide open, 
But the point is, why do you throw the ball in the air that far when you only need one yard? I think that was a mistake. They should have ran a two-yard in route to Hunter. Or Derek should have been rolling out of the pocket speed-wise, running for the first down on third down. Why can't Derek run on third and one? With the game on the line, you go four wide, Derek runs and sprints right, and then he just dumps a little two-yard pass to Hunter, or he dives, leaves his feet for the first down, game over. Yeah. Mahomes would have been uh, very active on that fourth down. Like you say, Carr, Carr wasn't active. He didn't roll out like he did against Denver. I thought that was the difference late in the game. He rolled out. And really came through against Denver late in that Yeah. Game. Derek made, and I appreciate the call, Derek made some fabulous throws. The two bombs to Devontae were perfect balls. Perfect. And then how about the ball that he threw to Devontae on his fingertips and Devontae bobbled? Did you see that throw by Carr? That was a perfect throw. And it was a really good touch pass there. But on third and one, Derek is not Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. So th- follow me here for a second. I don't think Kansas City thinks Derek Carr is going to run, period, on a design play. So what's a design run for Derek? A quarterback sneak? And what else? Like on third and one, you have a two downs to get one yard, third and fourth down. If you run the ball on third down and come up short, there is no chance in hell that I believe, I don't know this to be true, that Josh McDaniels wants to lose the game running on fourth down. Do you all understand, and I know you're smarter than me, many of you, When you're going for a yard, the running back is six yards deep. We all forget that. So they're going to run Josh. Josh is lined up six to seven yards deep, and he's got to go a yard. So he's got to run seven yards. So if the Raiders would have ran it on third and one, I bet you my paycheck that they get it. And then they get a fresh set of downs. Okay, don't know what's going to happen there because the Devontae play, which he juggled, was the key play. That was a chunk yard play. But on third and one, I'm not talking bootleg. I'm just talking move the pocket with Derek, move the pocket, and have Hunter on a short two- to three-yard route right in front of him. It's called the down and out. It's called the button hook if you played as a kid. Just Hunter going two yards, getting down on his ass, Derek just tossing it to him with no one in front of him, first down. I want to see a lot of that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Bobby, I want to see a lot of that because, Bobby, you're a New England fan. You've been a Patriot fan. How many times on third and one when Gronk was out on the field, Randy Moss, and all of a sudden it's Edelman, Amendola, and Brady just goes, boom, little two yards, and guess what? Fresh set of downs, Gronk and Randy Moss, or whoever, get a fresh set of downs with Brady. Or better yet, it's usually a running back you've never heard of that he has in the backfield, and he ends up getting the two yards in yeah, the first Yeah, that, that's a great point because you watched a lot of Patriot games more than I did, and there were a lot of times where they threw that screen pass or that dump-out pass to a, def- uh, to a running back that was able to catch the ball. But that's what Hunter is here to do. Third and Renfro. Third and Renfro. And on that play, look, maybe he's not right. Maybe he's not right just yet, Hunter, at 100%. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, but he came off concussion protocol for two weeks, and he made some catches there. But when you're going down on fourth and one, I've never been a believer, man. Just throw it up in the air for a bomb. It's too risky. It really is a risky play. Fourth and one, run a five-yard, four-yard, three-yard play. Just get and move the chains. And I'll tell you, the problem we're going to have on this radio broadcast going forward is we're all divided on this topic. I'm divided on it. I'm the host. I like to throw more than run. 
And now a lot of people got me wrong because you're right. The identity is to run the ball. I don't think you brought in Darren Waller, Devontae, Hunter Renfro to run the ball. You didn't. You got a quarterback in the league nine years. He should be able to throw it and throw for 300 yards every bleeping game. 310, 340, 308. That's Derek Carr coming into every game. If you want to run it for 150 with Josh, please do. But that means Derek's not going to throw for 300 and all the games are going to be tight. Because if you're going to run the ball, you're going to run the ball and eat the clock. And if you don't score and you're kicking field goals because sooner or later they're going to stuff the box, you've got to score in the air. The Raiders scored 29 points without Darren Waller. And again, with Darren, I'm a big, big, big Darren Waller guy, as you know. He's got to get on the field. He's got to get on the field. He's got a hamstring here. He didn't play in the preseason. Wasn't there. You know, he's not playing that much now. He's not having an explosive Pro Bowl year through the first quarter. They need him to get right over the bye week, which he will, and then for Waller to come out and be productive. What happens against Houston if Devontae can't go? Okay? So with the new receiver they signed to go out and have Renfro, Matt Collins, and Waller, that's pretty good. That's okay. You can move the ball that way and you can run it. But Houston is sneaky. Houston's a sneaky team, man. They're going to defend. Lovey Smith's got that defense, and they fly around, and they're going to try to try to make some plays. Vinny Monsignor is going to join us in a little bit. And uh, Vinny's fantastic. Big part of the show, as you know, big part of our channel. I heard him and Clay this morning talking about not only the identity of the team, but what was happening with Travis Kelsey. And I want to talk to Vinny about it because I don't agree with him. Or I don't want to say I don't agree with him, but I, I want to talk about what I think needs to happen with Kelsey. I think there needs to be a roster move. Okay? I'm done with everybody trying to figure out Kelsey. No one has proved that they can do it. No one has proved with it. I think there has to be a roster adjustment. We'll talk about that with Vinny Bonsignor coming up on the other side. As we are brought to you by Virgin Hotels. I'm always at Virgin Hotels. I'm going tonight to a concert at 24 Oxford. I start up my night there. I go to Olive's. Have a cocktail with my buddy Rudy at the bar. Then I go to the world-famous John O'Donnell at One Steak. Have a beverage there, maybe an appetizer. And then you can go to 24 Oxford, the theater, the great lawn outside. Boz has done a wonderful job. Go check out Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Three tight ends in the game for Mahomes. Edwards Hilaire, the back. Play action, Mahomes. Dumps it through to the end zone. And it's caught by Kelsey again. Grabs it all alone. Tosses it to the sideline. His fourth touchdown of the night. And the Chiefs' lead extends to 7, 30-23. Jason Horowitz on the call. We'll have Jason next week. If you come on out to the torch and you see us when we're there for all home games, Jason comes out. Lincoln Kennedy now we have on. Crank the music, Bobby. Let's get some people fired up here, man. Am I the only one fired up today or what? Am I the only guy who's like at must win, like freaking out, kind of like let's go? 
let's go with this thing and get everybody fired up as Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us in a minute. 702-365-9200. Congratulations to the Golden Knights with the opener on the road in Los Angeles. Uh, they won 4-3. to three. That's great. And the cover story today at the Las Vegas Review Journal, and Vinny is happy because I get the paper delivered to my home every day. Photographer files, police report, Adams Raiders waiting to hear what comes next. And Vinny, I read this this morning and I heard you on the radio. We'll get that up in a second here. Unbelievable. We'll get Vinny up here momentarily. I listened to Vinny this morning and read the paper, as I said, and I uh, want to make sure we get this right on a timeline with Devontae Adams. As Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, and several others are reporting that this could take a few extra days because the Raiders are on the bye week. I don't like that topic because I'd like to see this resolved quickly so it gets out of the media. I don't want to see this in the media for an extra three or four days. And Vinny Bonsignor joins us. Vinny, the timeline with Devontae from your sources, because the longer they don't make a decision, the more ESPN leads with this every hour, and it's not a good look. How do you see it? Uh, yeah, uh, no doubt about it. I know the league is going to let you know um, certain things kind of play out uh, first um, before they make their decision. They're going to look at things, I'm sure, independently, too, than how the Kansas City Police Department and the city of Kansas City, their prosecutor's office, uh, is going to look at things. But from what I understand, talking to some uh, police uh, people earlier today, um, this is kind of procedural because the police say, okay, here's the report. We're going to send it over to the DA's office, or in this case, the prosecutor's office with what we think, um, you know, f- sort of uh, uh, covers what, what, what may or may not have happened. And now it's going to be up to the city of uh, Kansas City whether to pursue this or not. So, uh, you know, and I've, I've talked to uh, a couple of police people who are thinking, you know, they wouldn't be surprised if the DA's office just throws it out. But we'll see. Or not the DA's office, but the prosecutor's office. Mm-hmm in Kansas City. Um, so we'll see, and I'm sure the NFL is keeping an eye on that. Vinny, uh, what would happen with Devontae if he got a one-game suspension due to his salary compared to what a fine could be if he's not suspended? Because I know you can't fine a player the amount of money that Devontae makes during a game. I think that could have something to do with it. Am I wrong to say that? Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, when you're suspended, um, you don't get paid. Right, for that. that's a big check. Uh, yeah, so uh, you just divide what he's making um, you know, this year by 17 games, uh, 17 paychecks, and that's what he would be docked. So um, you know, if, you're, if you're the NFL, you have to take that into account. Does mm-hmm. this rise to that level? Um, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm not even going to say that. It doesn't. All right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, and only this photographer uh, can really say why he's doing what he's doing. Does he really want to see Devontae in jail over this? Or are there other motives? Um, we can all, you know, um, uh, put our heads together and figure out what, where this might, what, what the end game might be for him. But does he really want to see Devonte Adams, you know, in jail for 180 days and pay a fine uh, and maybe, you know, uh, pay a, a big suspension fine uh, with the NFL? Is that really what his end game is here? And uh, you know, I, it, I have a hard time believing anyone would be thinking along those lines based on what we saw on video. Come on. Yeah, I agree. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest, brought to you by all of Vinny's great sponsors. We'll get to that at the end of the interview. So I want to go through. I heard Ed Graney talk about it, and I saw you at the airport before you went out to Kansas City. How hostile was that environment in your career covering the NFL? I know you're in the press box, but what you saw with the Raiders going into halftime after the roughing the passer that shouldn't have been, how hostile were the Kansas City fans? 
Well, you know, full disclosure, uh, up in the press box, we were talking amongst ourselves, and I'm saying everyone that covers the Raiders, everyone that was there within our earshot, we were wondering, all right, what's this going to look like in the second half in terms of how the referees are going to call the game? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a human side to being an official, and uh, I'm not saying there's shenanigans. I'm not saying anything other than that, that there's a human side to this, and you hear those jeers, and you hear that crowd. And Andy Reid was obviously beside himself and let it be known to everybody uh, that he was not happy with that uh, roughing the passer call on, on Derek Carr. Um, so we were up there in the press box going, hmm, something to monitor how many penalties are going to get called from this point on. And sure enough, and I'm not sitting here saying that you know, any of the, 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 the penalties were not justified to mm-hmm. be called uh, on the Raiders, but I think I counted 10 uh, penalties called on the Raiders after that particular play. Um, and I, I want to say maybe six or seven straight on the Raiders uh, from that play on. So I don't know if there was a cause and effect, but I can say this. Based on what we're hearing from the crowd and the reaction from the Kansas City coaching staff and the players, you kind of were bracing for, okay, is this going to sort of change the dynamic of how the referees call the game? And I, I don't think any honest person can sit there and say that it didn't because the numbers bear it out. Vinnie Monsignor joins us, Raiders Insiders, Raiders Talk Show host, Vegas Nation. So my tweet at that point when the Raiders, because remember on that overturn when it was you know a rough in the passer, the Raiders got three points on that. Okay, mm-hmm. that's so crazy. And my tweet live at the time at the end was, believe me, the flags will come back later in this game. Guaranteed. Field goal is good. That could have been a disaster. Take the lead and be ready for a Chiefs big push coming. I thought the same thing you were, and I wasn't exiting the press box. There's going to be penalties. It's going to be a bloodbath. The fans are boiling. And it was going to be crazy. And the Raiders let them away because they came out and they scored. And they came out and they scored. And I thought the Raiders should have made better adjustments on Kelsey. And I heard you with Clay this morning on Kelsey and talking about what Orlowski talked about. And I want to get to the big topic today, Jonathan Abram. I think there needs to be a roster move with him when they go up against Kansas City. Done with it. I mean, literally done with it. He cannot play in that game anymore. And he can play in every other game, and he's going to have big games. Vinny, they're tearing him up, and they're tearing them up in the red zone to a point where Kelsey only had 25 yards, 25 yards on the four receptions, and he gets four touchdowns there. That's unacceptable for any team in the league, especially the Raiders. Yeah, uh, it was, and uh, I thought that there were some uh, scheme situations and some just lack of communication uh, back there, uh, there was one play where you know uh, the way the way the Kansas City Chiefs lined it up, schemed it up, and ran it. Um, it put a lot of distress on Jonathan, and I don't know if he necessarily needs to be benched for this, uh, but it was a it was a situation where if you're if you're um, Patrick Mahomes is basically an RPO. Mm-hmm. Um, you read that safety if he comes up, which is what Jonathan Abrams did. You take the ball back and you throw it to an open receiver. In this case, it was Travis Kelsey. If uh, Jonathan runs with a tight end and doesn't bite on the hand fake, then you hand it off to the running back, and it's a pretty easy touchdown from that perspective because there goes the run fit uh, on that play. So it's a, it's a darned if you do, darned if you don't situation. And, you know, and I think Jonathan got caught up in that a little bit. My question was, if Jonathan is going to read that run play and that running back and come in and run fit right there at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. there has to be somebody else behind him or alongside him that then takes his – 
uh, pass coverage option um, or, or responsibility. And in this case, it would have been Travis Kelsey. Instead, when Jonathan comes up to fill the run lane and takes the, the run out of the run, you know, pass option, uh, Kelsey is wide open. To me, somebody else should have been over there uh, to, to uh, yeah. you know, assume that responsibility and let Jonathan do what he maybe was supposed to do, which was fill the run lane. Vinny Bonsignor, and I'm going to push back on this, not with you, but with what's happened in the past with this. It's unacceptable. They can't guard him. He should not be free at any point in time, Vinny. He should never be free. There should be a constant double team on him. So I think the other way is, well, if they put him in motion and they do something elaborate and he's hitting the line because he's in motion, someone's got to know that and be on him. And then the safety over the top is there no matter what, even if he's a decoy and you let someone else beat you. I mean, Kelsey's got to be sitting there lining up, making eye contact with with Mahomes going, are you serious? This is the coverage you're giving me. And Graham knew about this, and I like Graham. I think he's the answer coming over from the Giants with the way he's coached in the past. But that was a failure at the highest level with Kelsey, who single-handedly won the game because they couldn't cover him. And you have to, as a defensive coordinator with your staff and the players that you decide to keep, not bench, not cut, not trade. They have to be available to do the basics and cover this guy. I'll tip my cap because he's a future Hall of Famer, but I thought the Raiders failed on that, and they knew it was coming. Yeah, and what was so ironic about the whole situation is that they defended him really well everywhere else right. on the yeah. field, and they were doing some interesting things. If you go watch uh, the, the, the game back, I mean, they were using defensive ends to bump him at the line of scrimmage, uh, to knock him off, to take him out of the read progression because it throws off the timing of uh, you know Patrick Mahomes. So they were doing a great job, way better than the Raiders have ever done, in defending him from the 20s to the 20s, from the 20 to the 20. Uh, it was just he got loose, um, and some of it I think was uh, you know defensive play calling. Some some of it was a lack of communication or breakdowns of communication, and some of it was also how the Kansas City Chiefs schemed it up, and they do a really good job. Uh, of that, you're making split second decisions down there, and it, it, it's you know for us it looks oh that would have been an easy decision, but it's not always uh, the case uh, when you have to make those split decision, split um, second decisions again. But I go back to if Jonathan Abram is supposed to go run fit right there, mm-hmm. uh, based on what he's reading from you know the backfield, then somebody has to go take. He, 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 basically, what he's saying is he's switching, he's trading off the Kelsey responsibility to somebody else or assuming that somebody is going to be there, uh, you know, to, uh, to pick them up in that regard, kind of like in basketball where you, you know, make a switch and mm-hmm. your teammate rolls over to go defend the guy that you were defending because you, uh, you know, went with the pick and roll to go get the shooter, whatever the case might be. There has to be um, a safety net there that somebody takes of all players, Travis Kelsey, and that didn't happen. Yeah, and again, I, I, I respect your opinion as much as anybody here. I respectfully disagree. He mm-hmm. plays in a lot of other games against a lot of other teams, and they stop him or they slow him down, and he doesn't have these performances. His performances against the Raiders, to me, are a personnel issue. And they went out and got Trayvon Merrick because they hoped that he could be the future, be in the free safety, and be the guy over the top. And I think he is that guy. But Jonathan Abram has proven that he cannot handle this assignment. This assignment is just too big for him. And look, 
There were other safeties in the history of this league who had the problem with Kellen Winslow, and they had the problem with Tony Gonzalez, and they had the problem with Dave Casper, and he's won. He's falling in line with that. I hope we have this discussion again going into the Raiders' home game against Kansas City, and there's some change there either way. Finally, Vinny, uh, the problem with the red zone offense, and I talked to a couple of people about this. Do you think that this is something that will be worked on in the bye week? And I love what Josh McDaniel said yesterday. They're going to go with what's working, and then they're going to have a bucket for things that aren't working and maybe just get away from it completely. What do you expect to see with the red zone offense going forward? Yeah, uh, well, if you can run the ball the way they've been running the ball, I think that that helps your chances. Now, keep in mind, the Raiders are one of one in the red zone on Monday night. Why? Because they were scoring touchdowns from outside of yeah, the red good zone. Point. Two long passes to Devontae Adams. So you got to look at it from that perspective as well, getting more explosive plays, explosive touchdowns, so that you don't always have to work in confined uh, quarters uh, when it gets a little bit tougher and so much of a premium is put on execution and all of that uh, good stuff. But I also think being able to get more physical along the th- uh, offensive line, which th- this offensive line to me is headed in the right direction, getting more physical, setting a more physical tone. We've seen that two weeks in a row with the run game and be able to run successfully uh, in that area of the field, I think then opens things up because you look at the Travis Kelsey touchdown pass. What was that off? A play action where the, where the mm-hmm. uh, Raiders defense had to honor the run and got kind of caught, you know, with their, with their hands, with their, with their pants down a little bit, uh, letting Travis Kelsey run free. If you can create a scenario where teams are honoring your run to open things up for guys like Darren Waller and Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, in the end zone, to me, that'll go a long way. But it always comes down to execution. And through the first five games of the season, uh, the Raiders haven't been great in terms of execution uh, in the red zone. Uh, that has to get better. So that's definitely in the bucket uh, that, that mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels is talking about. But I firmly believe that if you can establish a run game and be able to run in that uh, part of the field, you're going to open up your playbook that much more. Not worried about your Dodgers. Padres kind of got off the mat after a 5 nothing deficit, kind of made it a game. But I think they've lost the last 15 out of 20 against the Dodgers. You know I'm a Yankee fan, hoping for Yankees, Dodgers, and I think the Dodgers have the much easier road. Yeah, uh, I do too uh, in, the, in the National League. And look what the Phillies are potentially doing. Uh, to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I don't think anyone saw the Philadelphia Phillies necessarily making the playoffs, let alone making a run that they are right now. Are they the hot team and the hot darling? I'll say this about the Dodgers. Um, you know, they've been the best team in baseball, quote unquote, for a while now. I would say from top to bottom, you know, when you're talking about the last six, seven years or so, maybe even longer. But it all, it's all about championship rings, and they only have one uh, in that regard, and that was the condensed season a couple of years ago. Uh, that some people sort of look down on. It's time for them to win a World Series and kind of, um, you know, put put their stamp on this era. But their problem has been running into teams that just get hot at the right time. Last year it was the Atlanta Braves. Who saw that coming? That they were going to stop the Dodgers and then go win the World Series. Could it be the Phillies this year? Um, or is it an American League team like the Yankees or the Astros again? I think that's where the Dodgers want. I mean, Dodger fans, I'm sure want to play the Astros and and pay them back a little bit. Uh, But to me, the American League right now, top to bottom, is better than the the National League. But I still think the best team in baseball is the Dodgers. Vinny, tell us about your partners here on the radio and what you have in store for the bye week and coming out of it. 
Yep, absolutely. We're going to be uh, at the Rockstar Bar and Grill tomorrow, actually, catching some uh, NFL uh, football on behalf of uh, Embajador Tequila, our, our great sponsor there. Uh, Realty One Group uh, does an excellent job. Uh, I urge everyone, if you're buying or selling a home, give them a call. But, uh, but uh, for this week, we'll be uh, over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill starting at 5 o'clock tomorrow for Thursday Night Football. Thank you, Benny. Always great talking to you. Thanks. You too, JT. Uh, Benny Bonsignor, good to have him on there. And uh, I, liked, I liked that type of pace and conversation that we had. Again, I have to say things and throw in disclaimers in case it's taken out of contact. I like Jonathan Abram. I think he's matured. I think he's a really good Raider. I think he's tremendous in the community. I don't think he can play Travis Kelsey. Just like I don't think certain Yankee pitchers can come in out of the bullpen against certain players. It's not a knock on him. It's going to sound like a knock on him. What would you rather do? Have me make that obvious analysis that he can't guard Kelsey or keep him in against Kelsey. What, what, what can I do sitting behind this microphone? Say, okay, bring out that same scheme when they come to Vegas again and see how that works. Andy Reid has the plays. Josh McDaniels has the plays. I think Josh is a brilliant play caller. All time. Brilliant play caller. So was John Gruden, by the way. Great play caller. And there's been some great play callers in the history of this league and this organization. I think that Patrick Graham's best football is ahead of him as a coordinator, okay? Because some of these games, wacky things are happening. I mean, Kyler Murray's running around, like, just doing things I've never seen before. So look look at Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator. He's going up against Kyler Murray, former Heisman Trophy, one of top five athlete in the entire league, period. Okay, Justin Herbert, he's elite. He's not good, he's elite. And Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. I told you this, Tannehill, yeah, Bobby, Tannehill's got experience. He's won playoff games. He, he's, he's not a liability, Tannehill. He's okay to have. So that's who Patrick Graham had to go up against. Now he's going up against Houston. He's going up against New Orleans. He's going up against Jacksonville. Okay? Let's get this thing locked in. Let's have this defensive coordinator and his staff and go down swinging. Go down swinging. I don't know what to do. Do you want to blitz Mahomes? You get burned. But... You cannot leave Jonathan Abram or safeties. I mean, my head's, my head's splitting open. All I said last week for four days on the radio, every segment was, put your hands on Kelsey, do something, whatever you are, whatever you're going to do, and please don't let him go. And as Vinny just talked about, Jonathan Abram, what? Like, who do you think's going to help you? Jack Tatum isn't there. George Atkinson isn't there. Skip Thomas isn't there. Mike Haynes isn't there. Eric Allen and Charles Woodson aren't there. They're not walking through that door. So with the talent that you have there, how in God's name would anybody let Travis Kelsey go? It's called release. Release? (laughs) At the goal line? No, you release him on the other 20, and then he gets you for 30 yards in a chunk play, but the ball's at midfield, and you're like, okay, Kelsey just got us for 30 up the middle. We can live with it. But you do it inside the eight-yard line, and start, you can't do it. So my theory is, is that Dave Ziegler will get players in here who could do that from college or trades, or he'll do something to get better players in here who can do it. You cannot continue to repeat what doesn't work. It's insanity. And Kelsey, again, is going to the Hall of Fame, and he's going to thank the Raiders secondary when he gets to Canton. He's just chewing them up. And those are good men. That's a good defensive coordinator. Jonathan Abram is a man of high character. Trayvon Merrick is a brand-new pup in this league, brand new. And Kelsey is chirping back at Merrick. 
I won't tell you which Hall of Famer told me that would never have happened when he played. There'd be no dancing and chirping at players back in the day with the Raiders. Someone other than Mad Max or Perryman has got to hold that defense accountable and say, hey, man, this isn't happening again. Not happening again. Okay, Teamers holding a face mask for 15 yards that set up a 59-yard field goal. That's just a mistake. That's a mental mistake. That's a big play there. Kelsey has a monster game, and then Malcolm Koontz did not hold on a field goal that was missed, and Malcolm Koontz really got the eye. He had the, the stare down at him. He didn't do anything wrong. He was locked up there, and they called a phantom flag against him. Yeah, the Raiders got screwed. But there's only so much I can talk about the refs, right? we got to get back to winning, and I'm expecting the Raiders to win coming off the bye week. Bobby, you're laughing. This was not the show we had planned. This was kind of like quiet, bye week, JT. I'm gone. I'm going to Oklahoma to see my son on Friday. Hey, I'm worked up, man. I hate losing. I hate doing losing radio, and I know this team's going to turn it around. they got to turn it around. They have to start with Houston and get on a roll. Cars out of the gun on second and goal. Snap. Handoff Jacobs. Probes the middle. Pushing. Pushing. Touchdown Raiders. He would not be denied. He got right on the back of Dylan Parham and Andre James at a one-yard Jacobs touchdown run. Gives the Raiders a 13-0 lead one minute into the second quarter. Jason Horowitz on the call. Compass Media Networks, Raider Nation Radio, JT, back with you. Brought to you by Resorts World. Now, they have plenty of places, lounges, bars inside to watch games, but they have two special spots. We're inside Doghouse Saloon for Monday Night Football. Come join me at Monday Night Football at Doghouse. It's fantastic. That's where the sports book is. It's inside this unbelievable bar that's enormous, and they have live entertainment there. So if you go there, you're going to love it. But they also have Red Tail at Resorts World. It's a social interactive gaming lounge where sports betting is there also on site and they have a great spot for you to go and they have this new thing called drama before the party as red tail is the spot to pregame before zook nightclub now that's the newest and largest nightclub now in the world so you can sip and skip with your red tail wristband you get into the front of the line and you get a chance to get in the front of the line of one of the biggest lines in the world certain nights and enjoy that club That's happy hour, which is every Thursday through Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m. $3 off of 20-ounce beers, $2 off all appetizers, and $1 bone-in wings. Red Tail at Resorts World Las Vegas. So that's it. Hell of a show today, Bobby. Way to put it together. Thanks to all of our guests. Q's here. He's coming up next. More on the Devontae Adams news. If it breaks, you're going to hear about it first here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. We'll see you back tomorrow for a big show as we put it together. Congratulations to the Golden Knights. Thanks to Shea Theodore for joining us. Vinny Bonsignor. Have a great day, everybody.